Great. Welcome, everyone. Hi, I'm Dima. Um, thanks for having me this morning. Um, so I've actually been in Hope Church for 22 years. It's been a long time. Still here. I know. Woohoo! Yay me. Um, so, yeah, I'm Dima, married to Alex. Um, we've got two children. Um, so this morning, I'm going to speak about sacrifice. So we're going to focus on the verse in... <laughs> We're going to focus on the verse in Romans, Romans 12, which says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your true and proper worship. So we're going to be looking at that um, together in a a bit. Um, As an introduction, though, I just want to introduce myself. So my journey on this road to sacrifice. So it probably, started, it probably first hit me when I was a teenager. I can't remember exactly how old I was. I can't remember exactly what I was reading in the Bible. But I was reading something and it just suddenly dawned on me that, oh my goodness, some people actually die for their faith. Some people actually, um, God calls them to um, sacrifice their lives. Am I willing to do that? And I wasn't sure I was at the time. I, it took me a while to think about it. I'm like, well, actually, if somebody did put a gun at my head, actually, probably my initial reaction was no, I'm not going to. I think my gut reaction would be no, that's fine, I'll deny Jesus. Um, But it took me a while, and eventually I kind of resolved it in my heart, and I thought, no, actually, if somebody came to me and said, deny Jesus or I'm going to kill you, that's fine, I'm going to choose Jesus. The fear completely went of dying, the fear completely... It doesn't matter what anyone did to me. That's fine. I can handle it. But then I've noticed since that point, there's been lots of things in my life that God has said, all right, great, you're willing to give me your life, but what about the contents of your life? And there's been lots of circumstances where God has said, "Um, you've given me your whole life. What about this part of it? So somebody had a prophetic word for me a few months ago, which um, my initial reaction again was, no, thanks, God. <laughs> Don't want that one. And, um, and again, like I'm, you know, I'm willing to do anything for you, God. You can send me anywhere in the world. That's fine. I can live in whatever squalor you want. I don't mind what happens to me, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I just realized it took me three days, honestly, of arguing with God and being grumpy with him and being grumpy with the person who gave me the word, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> To come to the point of, actually, no, I've given my life to God. It's got to be a yes. It's got to be all in or nothing. If that's what he wants, then fine, I'm going to say yes. So um, that's what we're talking about today, being all in for God. So the fight in this case for our lives isn't for control and what can we hang on to and what can we fix. The fight is to let go. So I was with another friend the other day talking about another problem that I had, and um, I kind of came to some sort of peace and resolution in the problem, and he said to me, oh, that's really great, do you feel a lot more in control now? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I feel the opposite, because actually what I needed to do was fighting and fighting and fighting for this situation, which I had all the skills and abilities to fix, but I wasn't getting anywhere. And it wasn't until the point when I let it go and I gave it to God, and I said, God, fine, This is my offering to you. You've got to fix this. There's nothing I can do. And it wasn't until the point that I let go control that it allowed God to come in and do something amazing. And that's what we're talking about. What happens when you let go 
of the things that are precious in your life that you're afraid to let go of so that something beautiful can happen when God comes. So Jesus said, whoever wants to hold on to their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's this sense of transition, and as you see it in nature as well, that you have to, in order to move on to something new, you have to let go of something old. So we see it when we're born, we're babies, we have to let go of the baby phase to move on to the toddler phase, we have to let go of the toddler phase to move on to the um, child phase, let go of the child phase to move on to the teenage phase, let go of teenagehood to move on to adulthood, and so it goes on in life. And there's phases in adulthood as well that we have to let go of once one phase of our life to move on to the other. And unless that is properly let go of, we won't move on and we won't move into the fullness of the new phase that God's got for us. So there's joy in it. So when I spoke to someone the other day and told them I was speaking on sacrifice, and I was a little bit, little bit terrified um, because, <laughs> because of the enormity of the word, um, they said, oh, why don't you pick something a bit more lighthearted like joy? And, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, well, yeah, I could do, but God didn't ask me to speak about that. But, <laughs> but here's the thing, there could be joy in sacrifice, and it is a choice. And I'm not saying it's not hard and it's not painful. Look at the prophet Jonah, for example. He's my favorite prophet because he's just like me. He's moany and grumbly and argues with God, and um, that's what I do. And um, so Jonah, he argued with God all the way to Nineveh. He spent three days in the belly of a whale because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He was going to Nineveh to deliver a word. Um, When he got there, delivered the word, as a result of that word, 120,000 people, the whole town, got saved. That's an amazing word. Um, But he was skulking and feeling sorry for himself as a result of the word. Why? Because he had to sacrifice his time his life, his money, he had to sacrifice his honor as a prophet because the word he delivered didn't come true because God was merciful. That meant when he went back to um, his hometown, if he was allowed back at all, he'd either be a false prophet or they might even stone him to death for being a false prophet, or he would just be laughed at. So all of those things he put on the line to go and deliver this word. Um, And he was grumpy about it. And Jonah had a choice, didn't he? He had a choice, had a choice not to go at all. He had a choice to go and be grumpy and miserable for all the things that God was asking him to sacrifice. Or he had a choice to go with joy. Oh my goodness, God's calling me on an adventure. I'm going to this really dangerous place, really far away land. I can't wait to see what God's got for me. I know he's a good, kind, merciful God. He's going to turn the situation around. It's going to be amazing. So what if I die? So what if I lose everything um, that I've invested in my life? So what if I lose my honor and my money and all these other things? It's going to be amazing, a privilege to be part of this amazing story and see what God's going to do. And that's what it takes. It takes sacrifice. So are we going to face sacrifice with joy? Or are we going to face it with pain and um, misery and feeling sorry for ourselves? Or are we going to run away from it? And that's the choice we've got got today. So we're going to start with Jesus. It's always a good place to start. So Jesus, when he was just about to die, he took a seed and he said to his followers that the time has come for the Son of Man, he was talking about himself, to be glorified. Okay, so his glory was going to come. But he explained it like this. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, so this is my ground, this is the wheat dying, 
then it remains only a seed, a single seed. But if it dies, it, oh, let's go look at my notes, sorry. If it dies, it produces many seeds. So it produces a plant which produces a tree which bears fruit. And the fruit of that gets to either be good news to other people or even new life, new plants are produced because of it. And so Jesus demonstrated it himself when he died. He said, actually, if you want to see life, you've got to expect death. You've got to be willing to die. Um, his other example that he used was um, in Revelation verse, um, sorry, chapter 5. We see Jesus, the risen king, and all the um, multitudes are bowing down before him, and they're throwing their crowns down, and they're singing and they're worshipping, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he conquered death, and he purchased with his blood many men from every tribe, language, people, and nation. This is the king who we're worshipping. This is the guy who's worthy. This is the only guy who's worthy to open the scrolls that tell of the, the rest of time. This is him. And John, who had the vision, he said, and then I looked and I saw before me a lamb that looked as if it was slain for the sins of the world. And you think, wow, that's amazing. Like, the, our very picture, our very image of a risen, victorious king who's conquered death the image is of a helpless little lamb, a baby sheep, not even a sheep, that can easily be led anywhere, that is easily manipulated and controlled, and willingly laid himself down for us. Still probably covered in blood at this point, but he's victorious, and our victory comes through death. Jesus also said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. So for Jesus, this was an offering he, he gave because we're worth it, because relationship with us is worth it. So, so what I love about those two pictures, the seed and the lamb, is that he only asks us to do what he's willing to do himself, and he modeled it for us. He modeled it for us in life when he came to this earth and gave up everything the way that he lived, but also in death, that he was willing to die for us. Okay, so we're going to look at Romans 12 together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. So we're just going to take it line by line, and then we're going to do verse 2 quickly at the end as well. So the first part of it says, therefore... And the therefore is linked to in view of God's mercy. So the therefore links to the whole case that Paul has been building from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11. He's been talking about the extremes of um, humankind's um, deprivation and sin and just the horrible state that we've got ourselves in. Um, he's kind of pictured that alongside the amazing, wonderful um, story of God's grace and his love and his compassion for us. And he says, but all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. So whether you've done the worst of horrible sins or the tiniest little, you've tried to live a good life, but oops, you slept, slept up once and, or twice. It doesn't matter because all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. But 
the good news on, to counter that is that God's love is so big that it, um, it covers all of that and that we shouldn't judge each other for what we've done and what we haven't done because God invites us all in. So he says, um, Paul says, then nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus and that we become more than conquerors through him who loved us. And as um, John and Emily read out to us last night, um, last week, it was really nice. He said that while we were still sinners, because of his great love, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's in that context that Paul is urging us to come because of all that he's done. This is why we're giving our bodies as living sacrifices. So then he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. So with the word urge, there's a sense of urgency. It's like, if I can make you do this, I would make you do it. But I can't make you do it because God's given us all free will. But this is it. This is the key. So he's urging us. Come on, guys. This is important. Listen. And then he says, brothers and sisters. So he's talking to everyone. He's like, this isn't just for the people who um, really want to take this seriously and really want to run with it but you know, for the rest of you, it's fine. You can just carry on as you are. He's like, no, this is something for all of us. This is what God wants for all of us. And just to give you another illustration of that, when Jesus was walking the earth, he would quite often say to his disciples, he'd be like, come and follow me. And they would leave everything. So they would leave their family. They would leave their means of making money. They would leave their honor. Because if they went and followed Jesus and it all went wrong, they've got nothing you know, they're, they're shamed in front of their communities. Um, so they were willing to leave everything to follow him because they saw something amazing in him. They were going to trust him and see where it led. They didn't have a clue where it was going to lead, but they were going to trust him. Um, and then one day, a rich young ruler comes up to him, and he said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He's like, obviously, a real keeny. You know, he wants to get into heaven. He wants to make sure he's doing everything right. And Jesus says, um, Obey all the commands in the Old Testament and love God with all your heart. He said, I've done that ever since I was a little boy. So this rich young ruler is obviously uh, a ruler, so he's got land, he's got people that he's in charge of, he's got money, um, he's powerful in his standing in his community. And um, he said, well, he's obviously doing it well. He's kept looking after his money well and honoring God. He's probably looking after the poor, he's probably looking after his workers really well. And then Jesus said, there's all this one thing that you lack, and that is to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler just couldn't do it because it costs to follow Jesus. It costs us everything. And the more we have, the more it's going to cost. That's why it's easier for people who don't have anything. (laughs) They're like, oh, I've got nothing to lose anyway. I'm just going to be all in. But actually, when you've got a lot, it costs a lot to follow Jesus. And at this point, the rich young ruler went away sad. It made Jesus really sad. He, the Bible says that he looked on him and he loved him and he let him go. Isn't that lovely? He looks on us, he loves us, but he will let us go if we don't want to follow him, if we don't want to give him everything. And he does ask us for everything, he, but sometimes he gives those things back and he says, great. Use what I've given you to go and um, bless the poor or to look after people well and that kind of stuff. So he doesn't ask all of us to sell everything, but, but he does ask us all to be willing to, to be willing to offer everything to him.
Um, and interesting that that was um, linked in that story to his question about eternal life. What must I do to have eternal life? Well, you've got to be willing to let go of everything and you've come and follow me. That's it. Just leave everything and come follow me. Wow. Okay. So, second section. Um, I offer you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So, to offer our bodies. So, this is offering our physical body. So, the word in the Greek is about our physical human bodies. So, we're looking at looking after ourselves well and honoring God. And it's, we're being a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're watching what we eat and drink and exercise and what goes into our bodies through our eyes and our ears and all of that kind of stuff. But it's also about our life's contents, what our bodies embody, what we do with our very beings. Um, um, and Paul says that we're to offer all of us the contents of our lives, everything in our lives, as living sacrifices. Now, interesting in this phrase, as living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices... So God isn't calling us to roll over and die, to give up living, to, um, just to be really weak and helpless before him. He's asking us to be alive before him and to be present and to be full of life. In fact, we become more alive, more present and more full of life the more we're willing to put our lives as a living sacrifice before him. So just, sorry if this is a bit too gruesome for some people, but just imagine yourself lying on the altar, cut open because you're a sacrifice before God. Okay, so now God can see all of your insides. All right, so now you're fully alive and on the inside, God can see all that horrible dirt that you don't want anyone else to see that you don't even want to look at yourself and you've buried it and it's horrible. And God can take that and make it beautiful. He takes our weaknesses and through our weaknesses, he displays his power and his strength. So, you know, it's the best place for it is on the altar before God. Let him do something amazing with it. And then he also looks inside and he sees the bits that need healing. Because maybe there's a lot of pain inside of us. And actually just open it up before him and let him come and heal. Let his presence come. Let his spirit come. And then also when we're on the altar and we're opened up before him, he sees those little treasures, those little nuggets of gold that no one's noticed before. And maybe you didn't even know were there. There's like really special parts of your personality that God has put inside of you, that God wants to draw out. And he said, this is the bit that's going to display my glory. Come on, let's do it. Let's draw all this amazing stuff out, the good and the bad and the horrible stuff. Let's heal, let's restore and then what an amazing thing can happen when all of you meets all of him. Amazing things can happen. God can do amazing things in your life. We're talking about resurrection life, new life for you, and new life for those around you. Because, because you carry a promise that this can also be true for someone else. And also because... We are meant to be, if we follow Jesus' examples, we're meant to be like seeds that reproduce. So when we give our lives, it's, it's new life and it's health and it's healing and it's goodness for us, but it's also, um, it also provides that for others. If you're praying for someone and not seeing breakthrough, maybe there's something we need to sacrifice. Okay, so we're offering ourselves as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. So John Piper, as one of my favorite phrases, he says, um, God is most glorified 
when we are most satisfied in him. So just have a little ponder of that one. Um, When we're most holy in him, he's most glorified. And we're holy and pleasing to God because, um, because this is to God. It's not to other people. Um, so just my question for you this morning is, are you living your life, are you offering yourselves, are you offering your sacrifices to others because you think that's a good thing and that's what God wants you to do? Or are you offering yourself as a sacrifice to God and that's it, end of the story. So the best, um, another Bible verse that I found to explain this was from when Paul wrote to the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8, and he was writing about the Macedonian church to the Corinthians and exemplifying them for their giving, for their generosity. These guys are amazing, they're so generous, and they just, they're so poor and they're so persecuted, but they're so willing to give. And the key that Paul points to in this is that they, they weren't giving to please God necessarily or to other people, but they were giving to God. And out of that generosity to God, um, amazing things happened. So it said, um, in the midst of very severe trial and over, um, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity... They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their abilities. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, themselves, first to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we give ourselves first to God, and then he decides what we do with that offering. He decides who we give to, and when, and how much we give. And I'm talking about emotional capacity as well as physical needs and stuff that people need. So if you feel like you're somebody that's just been giving, 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 and I told you this morning we're talking about sacrifice, and you're like, I can't give anymore, then I just want to encourage you with this. You don't have to give anymore, because actually, you have to give all of you, and you can't give any more than all of you. So if you've already given all of you, what else can you give? And you're giving all of you to Jesus, putting it all on the altar, and then he decides what to do with the resources that he's given you. And he decides what to do to you. And when you've given all of you to him, he also then has an opportunity to touch you and heal you and satisfy you and give you everything that you need. So thank you for giving what you've been giving. And um, maybe just take a step back and give it all to Jesus instead and see what happens. Um, Because this is our true and proper worship. So offering ourselves is our true and proper worship. It's our reasonable response to everything that he's done is to give him all the honor by giving him all of us, our whole lives, letting him decide what he wants to do with it. Okay, so I'm just running out of time, but I was going to tell you some amazing stories of some amazing people that we've met who are living overseas who have given up everything. They've given up, some of them, any chance of finding a husband, having children, um, friends, community, being strangers in a different land, being constantly the foreigner. Um, They've given up all of this stuff, but amazing stuff has happened as a result when they've decided to plant themselves in the place where God wants them. People have... Um, been able to write down languages that have never been written down before, which has had an amazing impact on the community around them. 
If you can imagine, all the history's been written down, the laws of the land, they've suddenly been able to form a government, all that kind of stuff. And they can read the Bible. And they can come to Jesus, which is amazing. But I haven't got time to tell you those stories, so that was just a quick aside. Um, let's go on to the next verse. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is the verse after when Paul tells us to go on the altar. He says, well, one of the fruits of being on the altar is that you can now test and approve what God's will is for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we offer ourselves because we can trust that he's good, And if we don't know what his will is for our life is yet, maybe that's because we haven't yet given him everything. We haven't given him permission to do whatever he wants yet. And maybe when we do, then his will will be revealed and we'll be able to test what that is. And then the other bit is, maybe when we put all of our minds on the altar as well, our minds can be transformed. So we can start to think like he does. We can think about our problems and our circumstances and ourselves. We can see the world like he does. So maybe the way to a transformed mind is to also offer that to him and put him on the altar. Put that on the altar. Okay. So a quick recap then. Um, Then we're going to take communion together a bit in a bit. A quick recap as to what we've looked at so far. So we've talked about putting all of ourselves, our bodies and our life's contents, our circumstances, our work, our hopes and dreams, our finances and possessions. We've talked about offering all of that to God. In that place of offering, in that place of sacrifice, of being willing to say yes, is where we find life for ourselves, is where we find life for others. It's where we find fruitfulness It's the only place that this seed is going to bear any kind of fruit at all is once it's been planted. It's not going to bear any fruit if it just stays on the ground. So we find fruitfulness, we find victory, as we saw with the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we find that for us and for others. Our identity is found and not lost when we sacrifice ourselves to God. We find healing and restoration because he promises good things. So he promises whenever we plant our seeds in him, he promises life and fruitfulness and hope and something amazing is going to come. He promises that. And it might not look like what you think it's going to look like. So you might be planting yourself and saying to God, right, I've done this for you now. I want you to do this, this, this for me. You said you'd make it all work out. So come on, work it out. And you can't say that to God. What you can say to God is, I offer you myself and everything, and you've promised me fruitfulness. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I trust it's going to come. If you look at the story of um, Abraham, when he offered himself straight away, as soon as God called him, he left everything. He left his land and country, everything, um, to follow God and follow his promise. And he was a nomad for his whole life. He had one child eventually after a long time. He never saw the promise fulfilled, and we may never see the full fruit of the promise of the thing that God grows because we have just sacrificed. We may never see it, and I think that that takes faith. It takes faith to trust God and say, okay, great, even if I don't see it for generations to come, 
I know that the sacrifice is worth it. I know it's going to bear fruit. I know it's going to bring life. Okay, so we find our sense of place, our sense of purpose, our sense of call in him, our mindset ideas, our emotions, our sense of justice. I just felt this morning that there might be some people who are holding on to this sense of justice, like somebody's done something wrong to me or to someone else. And God's saying, you can't control that. You need to put that on the altar too. Other people might be holding on to certain ideas, like this is right, this is right, this is right. Even certain theological ideas that are really good and God's saying, you've got to put it all on the altar. Let me tell you what's right and what's wrong. Um, Emotions. So for me, a few months ago, that song, The King of My Heart, really stuck to me because I was really struggling with stuff emotionally, really, really struggling, and I just couldn't snap out of it. And I was singing that song and... um, And God just said, let me be the king of your heart. Let me decide what you feel in this situation and how you respond. I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) And it helped. So (laughs) just putting your emotions as well. Put your thoughts, your feelings, your ideas, your thoughts about what your life is going to look like. Because nothing we invest in him stays dead. It will bear fruit and it will bring life. So, um, Colossians 3 verse 3 says, you died and your life is hidden in Christ. And you know that if your life is hidden in Christ, then all of your life's contents are hidden in Christ too. And you can trust him with everything. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And then Romans 14 says, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Do you feel able to say that this morning? So I want you to be honest about where you're at, okay? So not everyone is able to say, yes, fine, I'm in 110 cents. For some people, it might take a few days to think about it, like it did for me. Or it might take a few months or a few years, and that's okay, because you've got to count the cost, because this is going to cost everything. So it's not an easy decision. Um, to take as long as you want but please can you be honest about it before God and before others if you want to to say look this is where I'm at I don't think I'm ready yet I I think this is too much for me Um, other people might be um, while I'm talking thinking what a load of rubbish (laughs) I can't believe you've been saying that and just don't want to go there at all What what are you going on about If that's you and you don't want to take part, that's absolutely fine. Because remember, Jesus looked on him and loved him and let him go. It's okay. It's fine. But can I just ask you, if that is you, just be kind and respectful to everyone else who does want to do this and does want to respond and give God their life. Um, And then there's other of you, as I've been talking, like, um, yes, I want that. I want to be all in. And I just feel like for you guys that actually God wants to speak to you and reveal to you the parts of your life that he still wants, that you, you don't even realize at the moment that you haven't given over yet. So just have a, have a think about that, and we're going to pray together and then take communion. So can I pray for us, and then we'll take communion. So um, thank you, Father, um, for loving us so much. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us, Lord. Thank you that you didn't withhold anything from us, but you gave everything freely. And that's all you ask us to do as well, to not withhold anything from you, but to give everything freely. 
God, I pray for those um, whose heart's response is a yes. God, would you love them and lead them and strengthen them, God, for the things that you're asking them to sacrifice and let, let, let go of and put down. God, I pray for the ones whose um, answer was a no. God, that you love them. And God, that they can come back to you any time that they want to. They can change their mind. And for those who are thinking about it, would you help them in their journeys, Lord? And I just felt, um, to finish, to ask the question, what is it going to take if we want to see life emerge in this city, in, in ourselves, in our own lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of those who don't know Jesus in the city, what is it going to take? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take sacrificing our courage, our will, our honor, our time and our money. Is it worth it?